Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. So today we celebrate 74 years of God's faithfulness here at West Hill. Faithful ministry, service, fellowship, friendship, and global impact. On November 3rd, 1949, 382 members split off from Calvary Baptist and they had their first service that they held in Schumacher School on November 13th, 1949. Now, I'm not calling anybody's age out here, but just for a moment, would you just raise your hand if you were around in 1949? One, two, not here. One, two, just on the earth. Okay, maybe 20, 25? That was a long time ago. Not calling you old. You're just well-seasoned, that's all. In March of 1950, Reverend Roy Evans was called as the first senior pastor of West Hill Baptist Church. February 13, 1952, the church building plans were approved for an estimated $150,000 for building at the corner of Greenwood and Slauson Avenues. September 12, 1954, a first worship service was held in the new building, and Reverend Evans wrote the, or shared these words. This is a great day for us, the culmination of more than four years of planning and work. Many things have gone into the building for our comfort and convenience, but never for a moment Have we forgotten that it is the Lord's house? Today we offer it to him, the work of our hand for the work of his kingdom. We who have built it and the generations to follow us will use it to tell the ends of the earth the good news that God has been reconciled to man through the death of his son, that all who believe in him shall have abundant life. In August of 1959, Reverend Evans resigned to take a pastor in Cincinnati, and so he served for nine faithful years. In November 22, 1959, Reverend Edward Winder was called as the senior pastor. In 1961, less than nine years after the building started, there was the burning of the first mortgage, which it's recorded that it was accomplished without missing a single payment. In 1963, after four years, Reverend Winder resigned. And in 1964, Reverend Paul Hatmaker was called. Through that time, there were some several changes of the community. And so on April 9th, 1966, they held their last service at the property at Greenwood and Slauson in the building. That building was sold to Mount Olive Baptist Church, which still continues to this day. And they've actually expanded through the years of that property. That property is still down at the corner of Greenwood and Slauson, Mount Olive Baptist Church. You can drive right by it. I'd encourage you to do that. A little history. uh, Take a field trip, okay? Property was found at the corner in 1966. Property was found at the corner of Smith and Revere Road, and it was purchased. During that time, the church worshipped at Perkins Junior High School. Finally, four years later, 
in 1970, approval through the courts was given to build here. And actually, a fun fact, it's recorded in the Akron Beacon Journal, so it has to be fact, right? That was before Google. Um, the Jewish synagogue and the leaders here at West Hill Baptist Church shared a lawyer in order to have the right for both them and West Hill to build at these corners. In December 13, 1970, um, West Hill held a groundbreaking service here at this corner. In 1971, Bob Nice was hired as a choir director. Little fun fact, that was 71. Bob Nice was my school bus driver in elementary school. And actually, I was so bad one day, he stopped the bus at the end of my driveway, which the driveway was a good ways, and he walked up to my parents' front door and talked to my mother as I lay hidden in my upstairs bedroom. October 10th, 1971. So, groundbreaking service, December 13th, 1970. October 10th, 1971. First service was held here at 605 North Revere Road. And there was a dedication service on October 24th, 1971. DMA was organized by Lee Fisher in 1974. There were 21 who gathered at that first meeting. 1974, Pastor Mickey McManus was called as the associate pastor, and he served until 1978 for four years. In October 1975, Western Hills Christian School was planned here. Western Hills Christian School. They wanted to have a first year of a kindergarten but there was not enough interest, and so Western Hills Christian School never opened. In 1978, after 14 years of faithful ministry, Reverend Hatmaker resigned. And in August of 1978, Reverend Robert Crawford was called as the senior pastor. Also in 1978, Robert Schroer was called as the associate pastor until 1981 for three years. The congregation voted in 1979 to withdraw from the American Baptist Convention, and it became an independent Baptist church. In June of 1980, uh, Pastor Dave Annan was called as the associate pastor until December of 1985. Pastor Annan served for five faithful years. In 1981, Larry Robertson served as the music director until 1993. In 1983, there were two lots of the original property that was purchased here. One of them was the parsonage, and they were sold in 1983. In 1984, Reverend Crawford resigned after six years of faithful ministry. So in 1986, Reverend Gary Moosey was called... And then in 87, Brian Eisner was called as the associate pastor. He would later get married in a year and would resign in 1989. Reverend Albert Johnson was called as the minister of visitation and pulpit supply in also 1987. And he would serve here until 1994 when God called him home. In November 15th, 1987, there was the burning of the mortgage. 
1971 until 1987. 1987, November 15th, burning of the mortgage. In July 1988, Georgia Risch began as the church secretary at the young age of 13. February of 1990, Pastor Paul Sorber was called as the associate pastor. In 1993, Pastor Paul was ordained by West Hill Baptist Church. 1991, Team Jam Ministry began with John Saucier leading that ministry. In 1992, the garage and the pavilion were added on for a mere $17,000. In August of 1994, Summit Christian School began using the facilities K through second grade. Bob Nylinger began the fall of 1994 as the role of the music director until June of 2014, when Andrew Smirkanich came on staff, and Bob continues to serve as our director of the choir today. In 1995, brought quite a bit of change in December. Reverend Moosey and Reverend uh, Sorber both resigned, and they both headed to Florida. December, Florida. Hmm. Pastor Moosey, after 10 years, and Pastor Paul, of almost six years of faithful ministry. So January of 1996, Pastor Jack Bacher was the interim pastor for over a year and a half. And in 1997, Reverend Keith Marlette was called as the senior pastor. Today, we'll enjoy in the gym the great noise panels that were installed for a mere $5,000 so that we can hear one another. In July 1st of 1999, Pastor Aaron Varner was called as the associate pastor. Not long after I was called, I remember sitting in my office and we had a, a, a new um, open roof. So in 2000, the flat roof that is above all of this section and all of the restrooms was uh, repaired, were replaced and repaired. It's a huge undertaking for uh, close to $27,000. In August of 2004, Reverend Keith Marlette resigned after seven years of faithful ministry to continue uh, his counseling ministry as he headed up uh, the counseling division at Ashland University. In January, January 16th, 2005, Pastor Aaron, that's me, was called as the senior pastor, or I like to say I was demoted to the adults. In January of the next year, in 2006, Pastor David was called as our associate pastor. In August of 2006, the preschool in Montrose began using our facilities with four classes. In November of 2006, work began on a new portico with the price tag of $135,000. Took five months of work. It was completed in April 2007, and the project was completely paid for in December of 2007, so just over a year. Once we finished that project, God rose up another project, and that was our old asbestos gym floor. And in January of 2008, that gym floor was removed and a new polymer floor was laid, um, and we enjoy it today. In July of 2008, 
we partnered with Skyview Ranch to run an English camp at the Old Mill Camp in Naples, Italy with Doug and Dee Valenzuela. In 2009, we replaced all of our peaked roof. Thankfully, it was covered by insurance. It was only $75,000. In February of 2009, the gas and oil well was dug. In October of 2011, three new high-efficiency boilers were installed at the price tag of $60,000. In July of 2011, partnership with Skyview Ranch again to run a day camp in VBS in Japan with Chris and Donna Sadowitz. There are many other projects and many other things that I could have listed, but I chose not to, mainly because I'd like to preach at some point today. Probably one of our largest projects that we did was the sidewalk and the new parking lot back in June of 2015, and that cost us $142,000, but God had already supplied that before that need even came, which is quite remarkable. When we think of our staff we hired a part-time children's director, Megan McNulty, which is now Megan Landis, in July of 2014. We also then hired Rachel Herman in September of 2020, and she served until August of 2022. We've enjoyed five summer interns. We, we began in 2013 with Megan, and we've had four others throughout the years. Marissa Smith, Aaron Hesketh, Ellie Adams, and Keegan Lowe. As I shared earlier, Georgia continues as our office administrator, and in July, this upcoming July, she will celebrate 36 years in that role. Like I said, she started when she was 13. 13, 36, you do the math, okay? Pastor David, in January, in just a few weeks here, Pastor David will celebrate 18 years as our associate pastor. We thank the Lord for him. <laughs> pastor Ed began on January 1st, 2012 as our care pastor. And so in 12, uh, in just a few months, we will celebrate, it's I, hard to believe, 12 years Pastor Ed serving as our care pastor in January. Thanks, Pastor Ed. And just a couple years after that, Andrew, uh, Andrew and Susan, when they first got married, I told them, I said, I think the Lord wants you here in Akron. And they disagreed and they moved to Ashland, stayed in Ashland where they both met at uh, Ashland University down there. Uh, but after much praying, that's the only thing I can uh, accounted to because it wasn't because it, uh, we had much to offer here in Akron, but uh, I love Akron, by the way, don't get me wrong. Um, but Andrew and Susan accepted the call to be uh, um, the director of our music ministry in June of 2014. And so we praise the Lord for you guys. I can't believe it's been that long already. We can clap for them. Yeah. Some other highlights in these last few years, as we think back, uh, West Hill gave its pastor uh, the first ever sabbatical back in August of 2013, which was, was a huge undertaking. And then Pastor David enjoyed his first sabbatical in September of 2017, 
And then I like to say this, I was forced to be on sabbatical just a couple years ago for my second. And I appreciate that though. We have had three pastors that I know of that have been ordained. That means been sent by this church. Pastor Paul being one of them. And yours truly, Pastor Aaron, in October of 2007. And then we enjoyed Pastor David's ordination in March of 2015. We've also enjoyed getting our masters. Well, I don't know if we enjoyed it, but Pastor David and I, you have, uh, through the years, you allowed us the privilege of expanding our uh, wisdom and knowledge, and that's a big deal to me, and I think I share this as a celebration uh, to all of you, um, that back in 2017, and then Pastor David in December of 2019, uh, we both somehow graduated with our master's degree in ministry, which is tremendous. If you look back at my records, and thankfully they didn't when they were going to hire me back in 99, you would see that my motto was C's get degrees. So um, that was not my motto and my master's because it became a little bit more real, right? You know what I'm talking about, those of you who have taken classes as you get older. I share all of this, and there's much more to share, but I share all of this as a thank you first and foremost to God, that we thank God for his faithfulness through these 74 years. And then I want to thank you. Thank you for being a part of this. And the legacy continues. We have not changed the message from when this church started 74 years ago and met in little Schumacher school, that the gospel of Jesus Christ would be shared and proclaimed and lived out. We want to continue to do that. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We've sung about it. We hear it as we recall this history. Lord, we praise you and thank you for your goodness. There have been many challenges and struggles and trials there's been much rejoicing and celebrating through these 74 years there are people who have come and people who have gone through these years people who you've called home to your presence who faithfully served lord we are grateful that we get to be a part of this ministry a part of your kingdom part of your plan of, of sharing the gospel message here at West Hill. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for our country that we live in. Lord, I thank you for our veterans who yesterday we celebrated. And I pray for the men and women who continue to serve to protect our freedoms to protect the rights and the way that we see life and the value of it, not only here serving in our country, but around the world, Lord. And we pray for their protection this day. And we give you thanks for the men and women who have given their lives so that we get to enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy today. Lord, there are wars rumors of wars, there's famines, there's earthquakes. 
there's a lot going on in our world. And yet, Lord, we see that your word continues to be true. And we look forward to your return when Jesus will come back. Lord, may we continue to be faithful even in the face of times as we saw this last week when things just don't make sense in the outcomes of how we believe and what we believe your word says. Lord, you have called us to be faithful to you in spite of a world that continues to grow dark. Lord, we know as the world gets darker, your light shines brighter. And I pray that for each of us as individuals, we'll allow you to continue to shine through us. That no matter what difficulties or trials or persecutions may come, we will be faithful to your word and living truth out. I thank you for the privilege of worshiping you here this day, in this place, with your church. We praise you and we thank you that it can be said, it is well with my soul. We pray this in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Children, you are dismissed for Children's Church. If you have your Bibles and you would... And you're able, would you open up to the book of Romans? Romans chapter 12, we'll be looking at verses 4 through 8 today. If you've never had the privilege of doing so, I would encourage you to look up the history of that song that Jay and Ken just uh, presented to the Lord for us. Uh, it's a great, great story and uh, challenging to our faith and how we can sing it as well uh, with our soul. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. If you're willing and able, would you stand with me and let's uh, read this together. I'll read it and you can follow along, hopefully in your text in front of you, but also up on the screen, um, it should be there as well. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we though many are one in one body in Christ and individual members one of another having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith if service in our serving the one who teaches in his teaching the one who exhorts in his exhortation the one who contributes in generosity the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Will you pray with me, Lord? We thank you for your word. We pray that as we spend some time in it, Lord, and dig into it, Lord, that you would help us to hear the truths, to, to be able to take them and then to apply them and to live those out in our lives, that we would be changed and different because we've met with you and your word here this day. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. When we look at this, um, we see these verses about the body and members in the context of grace and not pride. 
Remember back in verse 3, it says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone, ought not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Four times he uses that Greek term to think. And it's not about us thinking that we've arrived or that we have accomplished or that we can do it. No, in fact, what he's encouraging uh, the Roman Christians here, the Christians in Rome to do, is to, to have a mindset that looks at the grace of God and then thus does what God has given. It's not, I'm going to go do this and I hope that the grace of God will allow me to do it. It says, no, because of the grace of God that he's given me, I have the ability to be able to go out and to do this. It's not one out of pride. And so when we look at the context of these four verses, verses four through eight, we see um, a listing of gifts, which we'll cover quickly. We'll go through them. Um, but it's not necessarily about where do I fall in this list? If that's your desire today, I think it's great that you want to know what your gift is. I don't think this is an exhaustive list. In fact, we have lists over in Ephesians 4 that, that list four things. And then we have a list over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that lists nine different gifts. And so when we look at the list of the gifting, gifting here... I don't think it's necessarily about each individual thing. Again, we'll take time to look and explore what each of these are. But my goal and desire as we look at this text today is to look and to say, okay, what does God have to say about the context of using these gifts? What does it mean? And so we start here in verse 4. And Paul, very clearly, he says, For as in one body we have many members... And so first, we start off, Paul makes it very clear, there's one body. And all throughout his text, in the text of the New Testament, we see that the body is made up of those who are believers, those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You make up the body. And the head is Christ. Christ is the head of that body. So he's given us a picture in a very real physical form of what this this church, what this mystery looks like. We are one body. So let me first begin at a very elementary, basic place. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, you're not part of his body. But you can be. He invites you to be part of that body. That's why God sent his son Jesus. So that you could be part of his family, part of the body of Christ. Christ died for you. He took your sin, your punishment upon the cross. He paid your complete debt. Christ paid in full when he hung on the cross and he died there. He was buried and he rose again three days later. He conquered sin and death. Unlike anyone, anywhere, at any time, God came down to earth he was born from a virgin and dwelt of the Spirit of God. He was born perfect and sinless. He lived a sinless life, and yet he died not because he did anything wrong, but he died in your place and in my place. He died for us so that we could be restored 
in our relationship with our creator God. The only way that we can have that relationship with him is through believing that Christ died for us. He saved us from eternity in hell. Christ saves us and he invites you to be a part of that body. And so if you've never accepted Christ as your savior, I invite you to do that today. He offers you a new life, a life that you can't get in or through anyone else. That's why Jesus states and he says, no one comes to the father, but through me. Because why? I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. As we build off of that foundation, we are part of that one body. There aren't many bodies. How many bodies are there? One. There's one body. And in our world today, there are many different people. And yet, it doesn't matter what nationality or what color your skin is or where you've grown up or what you've done. If you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are part of that one body. Thank you. He says amen too. I think he's still getting back at me for calling him William. Little Jimmy, it's okay. Notice what he says with this. For as in one body we have, what's the second? We have many members. Just take a minute, look around. Really, just take a minute, stop looking at me. Just look around. You're like, dude, they just stared at me. Why are they looking at me? Because look at us. We're all each unique, aren't we? There's many of you, and you think about this. I've thought about this before, and it blows my mind. On this day, there are hundreds of thousands, probably millions of people who will honor God and claim Jesus as Savior and are part of this one body. Isn't that amazing? That around this globe today, that there would be millions of people who are part of this one body. We have many members. There's many of us. And then notice what he says next. And the members do not all have the same function. We don't have the same function, meaning we don't do all the same thing. I'm so thankful for that. Right? I'm thankful you don't have to put up with many of me. Right? That would be torture for you. One's bad enough. Right, Zach? I was just to see if you were awake. We all have different functions. We do not have the same function. And so, verse 5, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individual members one of another. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in just a moment. But Paul says over in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, he also comments that we are individual members one of another. And so even though we are one body and we are many, we are of one another. Now, before we dig into 
the application. Let me look at these gifts. Having gifts, verse 6, that differ according to the grace given to us. Paul's reminding again in the context of what he's sharing. We have these gifts not because we're something. It's not like we can puff out our chest and say, look at what I've accomplished and look at my degrees and look at, look at this role of things that I've done in order to achieve where I stand today and why you should listen to me or why I have the privilege or the right to do these things. No, he says in the context, we have these gifts because of the grace of God. Because according to the grace that has been given to us, we have these gifts. Gifts that differ. And then I love this phrase, and this is our application. Let us use them. It's hard to expound that much more. We can come up with a lot of excuses of why we shouldn't or can't use something. I remember coming up with reasons why I couldn't mow the grass before dad got home. Those were not sufficient. One day, we will stand before Jesus. And wouldn't it be a shame if we had all this list of reasons why we didn't use the gifts that his grace gave us. So looking at these gifts, there's seven of them. And I want to expand a little bit on each one. The first, if prophecy, use according to the proportion to your faith. A lot of people, when they see this term prophecy, they think of a prophet, which would be good. Some people, like I did when I was young, I thought of a prophet as somebody who was like a fortune teller. They were going to tell me my future. That is not necessarily what a prophet does. A prophet, this function, was about communicating the revelation of the truth from God. A prophet was all about speaking what God had revealed to them to people. That's what a prophet's purpose is. And in that same way, prophets are today to speak of what revelation of truth? This revelation of truth. To be able to proclaim this revelation of truth that God has shared. To do it according to what? Proportion of faith. To believe that this is true and right, and every word of it is from God. Second, if service, in our serving. This term actually is the same term that we would use for deacons in 1 Timothy 3.13. A term often used as ministry. So if in prophecy, in proportion of your faith, if service, or as a deacon... Minister. It's interesting as Paul lists these that he would share one, the first one being something very, very public and very much in front of people. And the second following directly after that would be a ministry, a gift that's used that is behind the scenes. 
where very few people see. The third is teaching. If teaching in his teaching. This is about expounding the word of God to help people to understand the truth that is given. Exhorting. This is about the heart. This is about connecting the conscience and the will. And consolation together. It is the same term that we saw earlier in chapter 10 verse 1. When Paul says, I urge you, I plead with you. This is the exhorting, I'm pleading. It's one who pleads with others, encouraging, helping to connect the truth of God's word to how they live it and what they believe. To exhort someone, to encourage. The next is contributing, if contributing. This is uh, single-minded of the heart. Or motive and purpose of simplicity. It's, this is giving out of a private means. This is not something where the church as a group gathers an offering. No, Paul's talking about a person in their private means being led by God through his grace given to him. Giving out of that generously as God leads in your heart. Giving out of those private means to the needs that God leads. Next, if leading, or there's a term here called giving aid with zeal. This is a term that is often used for oversight by a government. It could be seen here as oversight in the church. Maybe this is talking about elders to give guidance and administration. And this term zeal with all diligence, it could be a reminder of the diligence that's required in overseeing the church. Finally, he shares here the act of mercy with cheerfulness. This is a very direct and personal ministry. It's one where we see the term hospital. The, then it leads us, as Paul writes here, the one who uses this gift of mercy to do it with cheerfulness. Which leads me to remind myself that oftentimes when you are showing mercy to someone, even to those who have been called to minister, even in a setting like a hospital, to lead like that, often joy can be stolen because of the depressing nature of ministering and helping others. So keep your heart full of cheer, Paul reminds them. While we see this list, and as I've shared, Ephesians 4 talks about four giftings, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and shepherd teachers. Their purpose was to equip the saints for the working of the ministry, ultimately for the building up the body of Christ, the body of Christ. The purpose of the gifts 
is to build up the body of Christ. Paul could have said it's used in order to spread the gospel, which is true, but is not the purpose. Paul writes that the spiritual gifts in Ephesians chapter 4 is for the betterment of the body of Christ. Why? Because the body of Christ, when strong and healthy, proclaims to a lost world the hope of Jesus. When we are not healthy, when we are not strong, it is more difficult to share the love of Jesus when there's infighting, when there's division, when there's a lack of use of gifts. Why would the world see any interest and desire to be a part of something that is so broken? That does not mean that we are perfect or unbroken. And in fact, we are broken people. Amen? We come to Jesus who makes us whole again. We come to Jesus as the head of this body. And he makes us whole. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11 share with us that there are a variety of gifts. There's varieties of service. And there's variety of activities. And Paul shares nine different gifts Service and activities, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing tongues, interpreting tongues, speaking in tongues. We're not going to get into all the gifting today. If you'd like to know about your gifting and how God may have gifted you, I would love to be able to help you walk through that. Our staff would be glad to help you. What I want you to think about today is where we started and what the context of all this is. Number one, we're in one body. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are in one body. That means that you are not part of everything or everyone. You're not part of the world. Shocking, right? Some of you like to ride the fence. Not me, pastor. I'm committed. It's never you. It's always me. We are part of one body. We are in that body, which means we are his. Pick a side. You don't get to ride the fence. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you are in his body. It reminds me of the time that I dropped my daughter off. Any of you who have done this before, it was the first homecoming dance. And she wasn't going with any boys, praise the Lord. She was just going with some friends. And I remember dropping Lene off at uh, Chick-fil-A. Yes, it was the restaurant of choice by the girls. And as I dropped her and, uh, her and her couple of friends, girlfriends off, I yelled out the window. I said, remember who you are. And she said, 
of Varner? And I said, yes. And I said, remember who you love. And her friend, Hannah, turned right around and with a big smile on her face, said, Jesus. And I said, that's right. We are part of one body. God is God. You are not. Jesus is our head, and we are in him. He's our head. Remember who you are. Remember who you're in. While we are in one body, we have many members, as we've said. This should encourage you because you're not called to be a loner or isolated. Some of you like being loners. Me, it would drive me crazy. Lisa, I always tell Lisa, my dream would be to have like a cabin up in the woods in Colorado where nobody's around. She's like, Aaron, I give you a week out there. And it's not that I couldn't hack being out in the wild. I love being out there. It's because people. Now, some of you aren't like me, and I get it. And that's okay. Some of you... It's hard to even walk into a place like this. And when we, when we dismiss here in a minute, you're going to make a beeline for either the food or your car because you want to get out of here and you don't want to talk to anybody. God's gifted us all differently. But there are many members, and we need to remember that you are not called to be a loner. You're not called to be isolated. And in fact, one of Satan's greatest deceptions and his ploys for God's children is to isolate us. When you face difficulty and challenges, what is the greatest battle that you have to have? That you have to fight? Often it is being alone. I can figure this out alone. I don't want anyone else to know this. And some of that comes from hurt. People hurt people sometimes. But we have many members. And there are no perfect members. But there are many of us. So find some friends. And don't think that everybody can be my friend. That's one of the hardest things in my almost 24 years of ministry here. People get upset when I can't come to an event or I can't come be with you. Do this for me. Look around. You already had me do that once, Pastor. Don't do that again. Look, there are many members. This is not my church. This is our church. There are many members. Which leads us to our third. Many members, one of another. We are connected to each other. Meaning we are in in interdependent of one another. You and I are not to do life alone. 
but we are called to use our gifts together. That's doing and our actions and living together. How many of you have ever tried to get on a seesaw before by yourself? How's that worked out? You can't do it. That's the picture of the body of Christ, that we are one of another. The other day, I got a, a piece of my leaf blower that I finally realized after three years that I was missing and why the hose kept disconnecting even after I connected it. There's another slip um, that needed to go in there, a piece of plastic. So I finally figured that out, and I got it ordered, and it came this week. And I tried to put it on, and as I was trying to put it on, I'm in the garage pushing this flex um, piece of pipe onto a blower that keeps moving, and I'm getting frustrated because I can't do it. So finally, I run into the house and get my little buddy, and I say, Zach, I need your help. I go back out to the garage and I keep trying to put this piece together, but it is not working. So then I think maybe I've got it wrong. So I look it up. YouTube is a great gift for those of us who are wannabe mechanics. Um, and I got it all right. It just won't go. So after about five minutes on my clock, not quite so long on Zach's clock, I go back in the house and say, Zach, I need your help. And so my little buddy comes out and he holds it, the tube, and he pushes it while I'm using a screwdriver wedging this piece in. And in 30 seconds time, it was done. You know what that showed me? Exactly what I'm sharing with you today. We are members one of another. And while we may want and we can even do some things apart from each other, it's best when we come together because we're all gifted differently. And yes, people are going to let us down. People are going to fail us. You may sit here very hurt and broken because somebody has said or done something to you that is wrong. I'm not applauding that. But I will say that Jesus took the most wrong thing in the world on our behalf. Thus, he calls us to forgive others because why? He's forgiven us. And it's hard and it's difficult. But God in his goodness, in his supreme thinking, has said, I'm going to put together this living organism called the church, and I'm going to gather them together, and I'm going to call them one body, and I'm going to have my son as the head of that body, and I'm going to give them each gifts according to my grace, and I want them to use those gifts together. So that the body may be built up and strong and able to do the things that God wants it to do. We need 
one another. I won't ask you to say that out loud, but maybe you need to say that internally. We do need one another. We need to invest in one another. You know, the government was handing out some money back uh, a couple years ago. So I took some of that free money at that time. I call it free. It's not free. Nothing's free, but it was free to me. I took some of that and I invested in something called crypto. Hmm. I won't go into the depths of that, but it was this free money that I invested. And there are times when we invest in something that it goes really, really well. Right? But then there are other times when we invest that it does not go so well. Thus, my crypto today. Thankfully, it's not my money, but money government gave me. So I'm not on anything. You will invest in people and in ministry. There will be times that you pour your blood, sweat, and tears into the cause of Christ. And you will get out of that ministry great blessing. That investment will bring back much. But let me tell you, there will be times where as we invest, we look and we say, we are in a deficit here. And your soul and your mind, you're wore out. And you're tired. And you're weary. And you put up the walls and you say, no more. That's not the way God desires. He desires for us to be fruit bearers. Fruit takes time. It takes patience. It takes nurturing. And it takes a lot of prayer. This year, our focus has been walking by faith. It's been our theme for the year, and it will continue to be as we walk through December. And I pray that you have been challenged to walk by faith. We will continue to have things in our lives set before us. Some things are not our choosing. That God will say, I want you to trust me more through this. Continue to walk by faith. And as we look at the year ahead, I'm excited about our theme. As we think about what it means to be steadfast in prayer. Those of you who know that you should pray more, get ready. I believe I should pray more. And I've already begun because I can't preach to you without God doing the work in me first. But we look forward to what God has moving forward as one body, many members of one another. But I encourage you, living by faith, to pursue God with all of your heart. And as we look forward into the new year coming up, and even to the holidays ahead, that we would be people who are steadfast in prayer. Because we can be busybodies. We can be using the gifts even that God's graciously given us. But if it's not according to his will and his desire, 
then the fruit will be lost. We need to be people who are steadfast in prayer. You will hear that in the year ahead. God's grace. It's sufficient for us in the midst of trouble and trials. And God's grace is sufficient for the gifting that he's given to us. How will you live this out? You are in one body. You are part of many members who are one another. And what does Paul say about our gifts? Use them. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you've given us your word that we can spend some time digging in this morning. Lord, you have given us this church. You have a mission for us as your workmen. And we want to be a part of that will to accomplish your work through us. Your word tells us in Psalm 96.3 that we are to declare your glory amongst the nation, the nations, and your marvelous works amongst all the people. We want to continue to do that, Lord, and we ask for your hand of blessing. We ask for your hand of guidance. We ask that you would help us to continue to keep our eyes fixed upon you, upon the head of the body, Jesus Christ the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, you've called us here as a group of people at this moment and in this time. And we believe that West Hill exists to honor you, to honor you through everything that we do and say. And we want to honor you, Lord, by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that desperately needs to hear of hope, that needs to see it. So help us to continue to honor you by sharing the gospel. Lord, you have us here to continue to connect the saved. Those who have accepted Jesus, we want to connect them with one another in this body and with you. And so that others may grow. We want believers who are growing in their faith and their wisdom and knowledge of your word and in relationship with you. And so we ask, Lord, that you would help us to continue to connect one another and to help one another grow in the areas where we need growth. And finally, Lord, you've called us here as a body of believers to serve those in need. There are many who sit here, even in this room, Lord, that have great needs. Help us, Lord, to serve. Sometimes that's by doing something. Sometimes that's by sharing and saying something. Sometimes, Lord, we serve best by praying. 
with and for those who are in need. So as we have stopped and paused and we've looked back, Lord, on your faithfulness, we stand here now at this moment in time looking forward, asking your hand to continue to guide and direct us. Help us to be faithful to your word. Help us to be faithful and living it out. Being faithful and obedient to you. To your commands. To the faith and the values that your word clearly teaches us. And as we live for you, may we use the gifts given to us to build up this body that you would take these gifts that you've given to each one who sits here and that we would use them for your kingdom, for your glory until Christ comes back. We look forward to his return. We believe it may be soon. And so until that day, while the days may be short, May you give us a renewed vigor to serve you faithfully and to proclaim your light in a dark world. We pray now, Lord, as we dismiss that you would bless our fellowship as we eat. Lord, that you would bless the food to our bodies, that it may give us nourishment and strength. That you would bless our fellowship, our conversations that they may edify and build one another up. And Lord, as we head into our family meeting, our business meeting, as we look forward to the new year, and Lord, we ask again by faith that you will continue to provide all that we need, that we will stay hand in hand, step in step, as you lead us and guide us. We give you the praise. We give you honor. We give you all the glory, Lord, because you are our God and you are our King and you are worthy of all of our life. We pray this all in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ. God's people said, amen. As you are dismissed, I encourage you to come and eat lunch with us. Our ladies have done a tremendous job of preparing uh, food for us. There's plenty for you. And then, uh, and then we'll give you more instructions as far as the business meeting. But God's blessing upon you. Thanks for being here today. Hope to see you again soon.